In this period of lockdown, are you more rested or are you more restless? And a few people have told me that um, working from home, they are busier than ever, busier than when they were in the office. Uh, and they don't have children who, who are on home-based uh, learning. Um, also, are you one of those who repeatedly would ask in the day, so what's for lunch? Uh, so what's for dinner? Uh, what's for lunch uh, tomorrow? Or are you one of those who are being asked these questions uh, repeatedly? Well, let's come to our text uh, this morning. Let's read from Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews 4 from 3 verse 1 to 4 verse 11. So let's go. Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the house is built by someone, has house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith 
with those who listen. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I saw in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying, through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath day for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So what do we learn from today's reading? Well, at a glance, you can see the many colors of words repeated in this passage. Enter, enter, enter his rest in blue, harden your hearts in green, and today, many times, in red. The original title of my sermon uh, was a long one. It was, Jesus is greater than Moses and entering God's rest. Well, if I could do an online poll, I'd like to ask, does anybody have a problem with Jesus being greater than Moses? I think as a, a non-Jew, as Gentile believers, I'm quite confident that, that none of us has a problem with that. So on that basis, I will skip that part of uh, the passage uh, and addressing it in today's sermon, and I will shorten my title to just this, Entering God's Rest. And the questions we want to address this morning are, what is God's rest? How do we enter it? And what prevents us from entering it? What is God's rest? Firstly, there is creation rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4. God rested on the seventh day after six days of creation work. Now, God did not rest because he was tired. Obviously, he's not tired, he's not weary, but because he was satisfied. God's rest was a time of enjoyment over what he had made because God saw all that he had made, and it was good. Secondly, there is Sabbath rest for the people of God, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. And it is to be a time for the created to worship the Creator. Psalm 95, which is quoted extensively in our text today, uh, begins this way from verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. And that's what you and I are doing today on, uh, on a Sunday, Sabbath rest, to worship our Creator God. Thirdly, there is salvation rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says that we received the gospel of salvation by faith, and so we enter into salvation rest. It provides a typology, uh, an, an illustration from Israel's history. The children of Israel were delivered 
from slavery in Egypt and then they were given the promised land in Canaan, a safe and sound place to rest in, flowing with milk and honey. They were saved. And in the same way, we are delivered from slavery, not to Egypt, but slavery to sin. And God has prepared a place for us to join Him for all eternity. And that is the good news, the gospel of salvation. And we enter into that rest because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He reconciled us sinners to a loving Heavenly Father and heaven is now our final resting place. But we cannot talk about rest without talking about what Jesus said about rest in this very important passage in Matthew chapter 11 from verse 28. And Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. A friend of mine will never fail to remind me that this passage is not talking about physical rest or tiredness, but the unrest that is caused by religiosity, that is caused by tradition, by man-made power-grabbing religious rules that bind us and makes us slaves all over again that we must do this and do that and we cannot do this and we cannot do that. And our Lord, the Lord Jesus, repeatedly condemns this. And in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he talks about religious rulers who were taking great pains to, to tithe bits and pieces of, of spices like dill and cumin that they had harvested and itty bitty bits they want to tithe that 10%, but they neglected the weightier matters of what? Of justice, of love, of mercy, of faithfulness. And, and religious people have a tendency to do that. We, we miss the forest from, from the trees and we argue over all kinds of itty bitty things about what kind of what, what, what you can and what you cannot wear uh, to, to church and, and how you must drink the wine and, and is it wine and, and how do you administer the Holy Communion and this and that and this and that. So there is creation rest, Sabbath rest, salvation rest and ultimately we all rest in heaven with God for eternity. And as in creation, God will say, it is good. It is good that we are together and we rest from our labors. And we have a preview of that in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. And it says, I hear a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. But I often think that we are mistaken about rest. Rest does not take the form of passivity or a cessation from activity. In fact, rest is about the fulfillment of purpose. God rested when he fulfilled the purpose of creation. We might ask, so who on earth would be the person who, who had the most equanimity, uh, the most unflappability? Uh, what might 24 hours uh, of such a person's day look like? Well, not like Jack Bauer of this TV series, uh, uh, 24 Hours, and he was fighting terrorists 
and all that. Who was the calmest and the most composed person in history? Well, for that, you can read Mark chapter 1. It is sort of a 24 hours in the day of the life of the Lord Jesus. He called Peter, he called Peter, John, and James to be his disciples. He delivered a man from evil spirits. He healed Peter, Peter's mother-in-law, and, and because of that, the whole city came to him at sundown asking for healing and deliverance. And before first light of the next morning, he was already up and praying. And soon his disciples told him, everyone is looking for you. And then Jesus, the most rested man on earth, said, for this is why I came. Mark chapter 1, verse 36. This is why I came. This is my purpose. John chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says this, And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now. Yeah, Sabbath. And I am working. Yeah, Sabbath. And Jesus defied all the nonsensical notions and man-made rules concerning the Sabbath. He worked on the Sabbath, just like his father, doing what? Justice, love, mercy, faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand, of the throne of God. He is seated because he is rested after accomplishing his work on the cross. And that was the joy that was set before him in spite of the pain and suffering. The joy was to reconcile you and I to the Heavenly Father. He fulfilled his mission, his purpose to be the sacrificial lamb to save us from our sins. And he is seated, he is rested at the right hand of the Father. You know, the most tiring thing on earth, I think, is to be purposeless. How often we say, oh, we need another holiday just as we ended one holiday. Why is that so? Because I think perhaps we might have had uh, a Wu Liao uh, in Mandarin, uh, a meaningless a holiday, a meaningless time of just walking here, walking there, searching for Instagram-worthy photos to take and, and restaurants to go to that you can then put on Facebook and, and show the whole world what a, what a great holiday you had. You compare that Wu Liao holiday with accomplishing something worthy, something in Hokkien called Wu Liao, God substance. There is meaning and there is a purpose, the purpose to fulfill the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, including rest, will be given to us as well. How do we enter God's rest? Well, firstly, we hear His voice. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, uh, verse 15, chapter 4, verse uh, 7. He speaks to us from His recorded word, and that is the Bible. Today we read it. Today we can also listen to it. Secondly, we believe in his word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 to 3 and verse 6. How? By faith. In the Greek, faith has two meanings. Uh, one is to have faith and the other is to be faithful. So we need to have faith in God's word and be faithful 
to God's word. To have faith in God's word is to receive the good news, the, the gospel, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. How do we know that um, we have belief, um, that we have faith, that we have received the gospel? Well, it comes from seeing if our behavior is driven by our beliefs. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 6, verse 11. Are we consistent with, uh, are we obeying what we believe? For example, um, this man wears a tie to an interview because he believes that it makes him look more professional. Behavior driven by belief. Uh, this man cheats on his wife because he believes that she will never find out. Belief drives behavior. I want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness because I believe God loves me and that God will take care of me. I am not afraid of death or disease because I believe God has prepared a room for me in heaven. So believe drives behavior. And to talk a little bit more about this, often in life we learn how to do something only by learning how not to do it. So I think we can learn how to enter God's rest by learning what prevents us from entering God's rest. Physically, heart disease is the top killer in the world. According to who? Well, not a question. According to the World Health Organization. Spiritually, what kills is a hardened heart. And four times we read about a hardened heart in our passage today. How is our heart hardened to receiving God's rest? It's about disbelief. It's about deceitfulness of sin. And it's about disobedience. Hebrews chapter 3 refers to what happened in uh, the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 to 12. And, and Hebrews, by the way, quotes the Old Testament more than any other New Testament uh, book in the Bible. I guess that's why it's called Hebrews. 15%, uh, somebody actually uh, measured it. And, and if you're into that, those uh, statistics, the next highest would be the book of Romans. And that's like 9% um, of Romans uh, talks about the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 14, God wanted the children of Israel to cross over into the promised land, into Canaan, as a land flowing with milk and honey. But 10 out of the 12 spies discouraged the people by saying that it's, it's impossible to go there because God will then allow you to be killed by, by giants uh, who, who are there. So they complain and they grumble. And they wanted to go all the way back to Egypt to go back to slavery, saying that that's a better thing. So how hardened can, can, can hearts get? And they would not believe that God would take care of them. They were deceived that God would kill them instead after setting them free from Egypt. They disobeyed God and their hearts were hardened against Him. After witnessing God's care and power in the ten plagues in Egypt, in the drowning of the armies of a, of a world power 
in uh, a superpower in the in the Red Sea, how can the human heart be so hardened? In Jesus' days, there were also many examples of hardened religious hearts. Luke chapter 13 talks about the story of a woman who was bent over and she cannot straighten up for 18 years. When Jesus healed her, the religious people were upset. They were upset that he did so on the Sabbath because that's not the thing to do on the Sabbath. And, and because they believed that the Sabbath, you should cease from all activity. Never mind even the important things of justice, love, faithfulness, mercy. And Jesus was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And Jesus like couldn't understand why on the Sabbath the religious people could lead their ox and their donkey to get relief uh, by, by leading them to drink water. But, but the suffering of a woman for 18 years, they say, nah, don't do that. Due to some religious traditions. And it takes a pretty hardened heart to let a woman who's been suffering for 18 years and you argue over some religious traditions. So they were deceived. They could not believe that Jesus was Lord. They were deceived by their own traditions and they disobeyed God and they neglected the weightier matters of justice, faithfulness, love and mercy. If I do a poll now and I ask, is your heart hardened? I think many of us will think, no. We believe that we are decent Christians. We, we give. We even befriend migrant workers. We participate in the MBS of a Monday Bible study. We believe that we haven't really done a lot of wrong things in our lives? Well, let's see. Let's see if our behavior is driven by whether or not we believe. In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Someone once said, Hardness of heart is the consequence of neglecting the means for softening it. And I'll never forget visiting um, our sister, some of you may know her, uh, she lives in Hong Kong now, Vis visiting Winnie in Long Beach, California, when she met a, a horrific traffic accident and she was comatose in, um, in Long Beach. And after visiting her in her ICU room, uh, I walked with her husband, Ken, uh, to go and have lunch and walking from there to I think it was fast food restaurant we passed by a beggar and of course he asked for money I just walked past him but Ken slowed down and gave him some money later on he told me that well I may be deceived I may be cheated but this is a way to keep my heart from being hardened to someone who may well have a genuine need. And the CEO of a charity organization in Singapore told me exactly the same thing. This, I always give. This is to prevent my heart from being hardened. It's a small price to pay, even if you're cheated. If it can prevent 
your heart from being hardened. We're talking about entering God's rest. What is God's rest? Creation rest, Sabbath rest, salvation rest, a final place that we will go to. How do we enter God's rest? We hear His word, we believe in His word by faith, and we can check it out by our behavior. What prevents us from entering God's rest? A hardened heart. A hardened heart that is driven by disbelief, by the deceitfulness of sin, and by our outright disobedience. So this looks like a, like a three-point sermon, but actually it is only a one-point sermon. And I quote from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The one-point sermon is encourage one another daily. Encourage one another today. Encourage one another daily, today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of knowing what is right to do and then failing to do it. The word encourage in Greek is parakaleo, a compound word of beside, stand beside me, coming alongside me, and call. So in other words, encourage or parakaleo is to come along someone and call him to obedience, to action, to justice, to mercy, to faithfulness, to love. And it is the same root word for God, the Holy Spirit, you know he is called the comforter, the parakletos. And he, the Holy Spirit, God, comes alongside us, encouraging us, calling us, comforting us, inspiring us to love and good deeds, and enabling us to enter God's rest. So are you rested? Or are you restless this season of uh, lockdown? Have you entered into God's rest? There may be some of us here, the last week we had almost 600 views and we don't have so many PPH members so it's kind of like going around uh, uh, different places maybe even all around the world have you believed that Jesus was sent to us to be the way the truth and the life to pay the price for our sinfulness our inability to do what is right are you rested in him assured of a final resting place with him now i was restless for about two weeks preparing this sermon i i have to admit and like i said earlier we have almost 600 views uh, on on our sermon in uh, youtube all over the world and so i thought ah oh, my sermon it needs to be interesting it needs to be insightful it might even need to be ingenious, clever. And up to a few days ago, it was far from that. Until I recovered God's purpose for the sermon. Until I recovered that, I was just restless. What is the purpose of preaching God's word? That the preacher be true to his word and not to his cleverness. Not, not to human cleverness. To edify, to build up his people, to build faith to give warning, as, uh, as this passage in Hebrew is, the second of five warnings, 
not one of these purposes is about the preacher. Not one of these purposes is about the preacher's ego. When I got that, I got rest. And this is a season to encourage one another daily today so that none of us may be hardened in our heart by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, can you think of a place of unrest? Think of a place that is just like crazy, messy. Um, maybe a place where there are many children all doing HBL, home-based learning. You think of a place of um, four uh, children, another four adopted children, and then another about 20 severely disabled children in an orphanage and all taken care of by a couple. Now, I cannot imagine a place of more unrest than that. Until I chance upon this free YouTube documentary. It's called Home of Mephibosheth. And it's won many awards. Um, you know, when I preach, uh, when I coach people on, on preaching, I will ask them to read several passages from 2 Samuel where there is this word or this name, Mephibosheth, so as to loosen the tongue and get people to pronounce biblical names properly. And this guy, Mephibosheth, was the, the son of Jonathan, if you remember, King David's best friend. And he was disabled in both legs because as they were escaping, the nurse dropped him. And this documentary or movie, Home of Mephibosheth, is an inspirational story of uh, this China, Chinese lady called uh, Sing Wen and her husband, Stephen. And they were taking care of many severely disabled children who in China were just discarded. They were thrown away like in a rubbish dump since 2001. And you watch it and see for yourself if this couple were rested or restless. And there is a point in the movie where she was unhappy that someone wrote an, an article about why her husband's hair was so grey. And that person said that uh, the husband's hair turned grey overnight because he was worried that he had no money to run the orphanage. And she said, this is an insult to us Christians. She said, we never worry, worry about money because God will provide. I've never heard it expressed this way, that if someone says that you as a Christian uh, are, are worried uh, it's an insult that I am restless is an insult well in the end Sing Wei contracted breast cancer uh, but she was always rested in God and in fact she said and I quote I hold no doubt to God's healing power but I respect his sovereignty I believe God's will is good pleasing and perfect whether he heals me or not. So what was her purpose in life while she had cancer? And she said, I wanted to, I want to lead 10,000, Yiwan, 
10,000 souls to Christ by the story of my life and even the story of my illness. And she found her final rest in July 2015. And God saw that it was good. And God said, enter my rest. And so she did. You know, there is so much that we can encourage one another. If you know of a case in need, tell someone, work together to meet that need. If you read a good book, encourage one another with that good book. If you watch a good documentary like I, like I really chanced upon it, just flipping channels and I saw it, then, then preach it in a sermon. Okay, put it out on a Facebook and let people know. Uh, if you go to my Facebook, there are many videos of, of migrant workers, uh, there is one of a family of 10 in Singapore living in a two-room flat and how they went through this period of uh, lockdown. Um, I recently read a book uh, about teenage girls in Nigeria who were kidnapped by religious terrorists, but they stood firm in the faith in Christ. So let not our hearts be, be hardened or become purposeless. Let's encourage one another today so that we will not have our hearts hardened. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Enter God's rest. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much that your word is living and active. And it touches our heart, it corrects us. It is a warning to us and we heed that warning. And so God, help us to soften our hearts that we ourselves be encouraged by the Comforter, the Encourager, God the Holy Spirit. And then we can encourage one another daily so that none of us may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I pray that for each one of my brothers and sisters watching this. And now, may God remember your work of faith, reward your work of faith, reward your labor of love, the steadfastness of your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, and grant you rest, good rest. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.